Alfred Lord Tennyson, The Lotus Eaters. Tennyson's poem is based on an incident from Homer's Odyssey, and he plays with his source material in much the same way that he does with his Arthurian sources for the Lady of Shalott, though perhaps with fewer inventions of his own. We might see the Lotus Eaters as a dramatization of an incident in the Odyssey. If it were a TV movie today, it would likely say, inspired by or based on the Odyssey. Here is the poem. Courage, he said, and pointed toward the land. This mounting wave will roll us shoreward soon. In the afternoon they came upon a land in which it seemed always afternoon. All round the coast the languid air did swoon, breathing like one that hath a weary dream. Full-faced above the valley stood the moon. And like a downward smoke, the slender stream along the cliff to fall and pause and fall did seem. A land of streams, some like a downward smoke, slow dropping veils of thinnest lawn did go. And some through wavering lights and shadows broke, rolling a slumberous sheet of foam below. They saw the gleaming river seaward flow from the inner land, far off three mountain tops three silent pinnacles of aged snow, stood sunset flushed and dewed with showery drops, up clomb the shadowy pine above the woven copse. The charmed sunset lingered low adown in the red west. Through mountain clefts the dale was seen far inland, and the yellow down bordered with palm and many a winding vale and meadow set with slender galingale a land where all things always seemed the same. And round about the keel, with faces pale, dark faces pale against that rosy flame, the mild-eyed melancholy lotus-eaters came. Branches they bore of that enchanted stem, laden with flower and fruit, whereof they gave to each, but whoso did receive of them and taste, to him the gushing of the wave far, far away did seem to mourn and rave on alien shores, and if his fellow spake, his voice was thin as voices from the grave, and deep asleep he seemed, yet all awake, and music in his ears his beating heart did make. They sat them down upon the yellow sand, between the sun and moon upon the shore, and sweet it was to dream of fatherland, of child and wife and slave. But evermore, most weary seemed the sea, weary the oar, weary the wandering fields of barren foam. Then someone said, we will return no more. And all at once they sang, our island home is far beyond the wave. We will no longer roam. Choric song. There is sweet music here that softer falls than petals from blown roses on the grass, or night dews on still waters between walls of shadowy granite in a gleaming pass, music that gentlier on the spirit lies than tired eyelids upon tired eyes, music that brings sweet sleep down from the blissful skies. Here are cool mosses deep and through the moss the ivies creep, and in the stream the long-leaved flowers weep, and from the craggy ledge the poppy hangs in sleep. 
Why are we weighed down with heaviness and utterly consumed with sharp distress, while all things else have rest from weariness? All things have rest. Why should we toil alone? We only toil who are the first of things and make perpetual moan, still from one sorrow to another throne, nor ever fold our wings and cease from wanderings nor steep our brows in slumber's holy balm, nor hearken what the inner spirit sings. There is no joy but calm. Why should we only toil the roof and crown of all things? Lo, in the middle of the wood, the folded leaf is wooed from out the bud with winds upon the branch, and there grows green and broad and takes no care, sun-steeped at noon and in the moon nightly dew-fed and turning yellow falls, and floats adown the air. Lo, sweetened with the summer light, the full-juiced apple, waxing over mellow, drops in a silent autumn night. All its allotted length of days, the flower ripens in its place, ripens and fades, and falls, and hath no toil, fast-rooted in the fruitful soil. Hateful, is the dark blue sky, vaulted o'er the dark blue sea. Death is the end of life. Ah, why should life all labor be? Let us alone. Time driveth onward fast, and in a little while our lips are dumb. Let us alone. What is it that will last? All things are taken from us, and become portions and parcels of the dreadful past. Let us alone. What pleasure can we have to war with evil? Is there any place in ever climbing up the climbing wave? All things have rest and ripen toward the grave in silence, ripen, fall, and cease. Give us long rest or death, dark death, or dreamful ease. How sweet it were, hearing the downward stream with half-shut eyes ever to seem, falling asleep in a half-dream, to dream and dream like yonder amber light, which will not leave the myrrh-bush on the height, to hear each other's whispered speech, eating the lotus day by day, to watch the crisping ripples on the beach and tender curving lines of creamy spray, to lend our hearts and spirits wholly to the influence of mild-minded melancholy, to muse and brood and live again in memory with those old faces of our infancy heaped over with a mound of grass, two handfuls of white dust shut in an urn of brass. Dear is the memory of our wedded lives and dear the last embrace of our wives and their warm tears that all has suffered change for surely now our household hearths are cold, our sons inherit us, our looks are strange, and we should come like ghosts to trouble joy. Or else the island princes overbold hath eat our substance, and the minstrel sings before them of the ten years' war in Troy, and our great deeds, as half-forgotten things, is their confusion in the little isle. Let what is broken so remain, the gods are hard to reconcile. Tis hard to settle order once again. There is confusion worse than death, trouble on trouble, pain on pain, long labor unto aged breath, sore task to hearts worn out by many wars, and eyes grown dim 
with gazing on the pilot stars, but propped on beds of amaranth and moly. How sweet while warm airs lull us, blowing lowly, with half-dropped eyelids still, beneath a heaven dark and holy, to watch the long bright river drawing slowly, his waters from the purple hill, to hear the dewy echoes calling from cave to cave through the thick-twined vine, to watch the emerald-colored water falling through many a woven acanthus wreath divine, only to hear and see the far-off sparkling brine, only to hear were sweet stretched out beneath the pine. The lotus blooms below the barren peak. The lotus blows by every winding creek. All day the wind breathes low with mellower tone through every hollow cave and alley lone. Round and round the spicy downs, the yellow lotus dust is blown. We have had enough of action and of motion, we. Rolled to starboard, rolled to larboard, when the surge was seething free, where the wallowing monster spouted his foam fountains in the sea, let us swear an oath and keep it with an equal mind in the hollow lotus land to live and lie reclined on the hills like gods together, careless of mankind, for they lie beside their nectar and the bolts are hurled far below them in the valleys and the clouds are lightly curled round their golden houses, girdled with the gleaming world, where they smile in secret, looking over wasted lands, blight and famine, plague and earthquake, roaring deeps and fiery sands, clanging fights and flaming towns, and sinking ships and praying hands. But they smile, they find a music centered in a doleful song, steaming up a lamentation and an ancient tale of wrong. Like a tale of little meaning, though the words are strong, chanted from an ill-used race of men that cleave the soil, sow the seed, and reap the harvest with enduring toil, storing yearly little dews of wheat and wine and oil, till they perish and they suffer, some, tis whispered, down in hell, suffer endless anguish, others in Elysian valleys dwell, resting weary limbs at last on beds of asphodel. Surely, surely, Slumber is more sweet than toil, the shore than labor in the deep mid-ocean, wind and wave and oar. O rest ye, brother mariners, we will not wander more. End quote. This is the story of Odysseus's men who land on the island of the lotus eaters and are tempted to stay there and rest from their long years in the Trojan War and their years of wandering as they try to return home. Tennyson really emphasizes the theme of weariness in attempting to create what the men must have felt. It is always afternoon in the poem. There are repeated references to the smoke and the stream flowing downward as if they are heavy. There is a heaviness and a weary sleepiness that permeates the entire poem. The scene is unchanging and dreamy. It is a land where all things always seemed the same. The sounds of the world and the voices of others are remote, thin, somehow unreal, like a drug-induced vision, an opium dream, and there is at least one poppy reference in the poem. The sailors are content to dream of home, children, and wives, but have no ambition to return to them. It's just too far. 
Let us alone is a recurring phrase. The poem twice links the words mild and melancholy, as in mild-eyed melancholy lotus eaters came and the influence of mild-minded melancholy. Living in memory is enough for the sailors. They repeatedly rationalize that there is no reason to return because the hearths are probably cold and the sons have already inherited. Confusion is worse for them than death. In Homer's account, it is Odysseus who rouses the men from their addiction to passivity, but in Tennyson's adaptation, they remain there on the island. Curiously, they find something godlike in reclining all day with a spirit of indifference toward their real lives so remote. That scene of the men reclining like gods hurling bolts of lightning toward the shepherds far below always reminds me of that scene in the classic Disney animated film Fantasia. That scene is set to the music of Beethoven's Pastoral Symphony, in which we see the cartoon gods up in the clouds lazily hurling lightning bolts down at the hapless shepherds. Tennyson's poem very successfully depicts this feeling of weariness and heaviness, perhaps so successfully that I always find it somewhat depressing. But something of that weariness and heaviness resonates with the spirit of the Victorian age.